Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Anything Cristiano can do, Jovino can too. Mihailovic's Bologna send the Nerazzurri into freefall. Donnarumma's heroics earn Milan a draw in the eternal city. And Napoli halt Quagliarella's hot streak. All of that and much more in this week's edition of Simply Serie A. And welcome back to the Simply Serie A podcast with me, Harry Simiou. Uh, before we delve into this week's featured games and before I introduce you to this week's panel, let's round up the results from week 22. Cagliari nil, Atalanta won. Atalanta sit just one point off of the UEFA Champions League positions now. Empoli 2, Chievo 2. Empoli having come from two goals down there. Frosinone nil, Lazio 1. Felipe Saicedo's goal, the difference there. Genoa 1, Sassuolo 1. Sanabria scoring on his Genoa debut to salvage a point for Prandelli's side. Inter nil, Bologna 1. Juventus 3, Parma 3. Napoli 3, Sampdoria 0, Roma 1, Milan 1, Spal 0, Torino 0 and Udinese 1, Fiorentina 1. On this week's panel, Tommy Milanese from 90minute.com. Tommy, welcome to Simply Serie A. How are you doing, my friend? Okay, very good, man. My pleasure to be here. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. It's cold, but we're in England. We should be used to that yeah. by now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also joining me is Mr. Vittorio Campanile from the Lazio Lounge podcast. Vittorio, welcome. How are you? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all ours, my friend, I can assure you. Right, we're going to start at the Allianz Stadium where we were treated to a six-goal thriller between league leaders Juventus and Parma. It ended 3-3. Juve, of course, came into this one having suffered a heavy defeat at the hands of Atalanta in the Copper during the week. They were without Chiellini, Bonucci and Bazzali. And Tommy, it really showed, didn't it? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, first of all, what a game that was. Um, um, I had the pleasure to watch it live, and it was uh, it was such a great game. Um, no one saw coming what happened in the last 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, Parma was playing as they usually play with big teams, so, you know, with low defense, not too much pressure, not too much pressure on the, on the strikers, and playing on counter-attack. And, 
yeah, that that happened in the end. Crazy. Incredible game, wasn't it? And Juve did take a 2-0 lead through Ronaldo and Rugani. Palmer managed to pull one back through Antonino Barilla on 64. But when Ronaldo restored the, the lead to two goals just a couple of minutes later, you could be uh, forgiven for thinking that Palmer were dead and buried, right, Vittorio? Yes, I thought that was the end of the match, honestly. To be... To be honest, Juventus struggled also in the other matches. They lost uh, against Atalanta in Coppa Italia. They, they win against Lazio, but didn't deserve to win there. So I was a little bit concerned because, as Tommy was saying, Parma played really well against big teams. So I thought this could be a tricky match for Juventus. But after the second goal of Cristiano Ronaldo, I said, OK, this is over. And I was really astonishing to see Parma recovering that, that match, honestly. I mean, as well, you know, Jovino, a player who I remember from his time at Arsenal, being an Arsenal supporter, he's somebody that I describe as a bit of a nuisance, a pest, uh, but often, you know, he fails to deliver end product. But I thought he had a really decent spell back at when he was with Roma after having left London. He then went off to China and he's now come back to Serie A. What sort of impact has he had, Tommy, since he's arrived back in the peninsula? Well, incredible, I would say. Uh, I think not many people expected that. You know, when he went to China, uh, a lot of people thought that he was over. You know, it was just a. But in, in the end, he's only 31 years old. So I think I think it was a great great choice for him to come back to the Serie A uh, and still play competitively. And it's showing how good he is, and his pace is still unbelievable. And I mean, I remember uh, a quote from Francesco Totti a few years ago when they used to play together, and he said. Uh, if he would score as well, he would be like Cristiano Ronaldo. So, I mean, that says it all, does it? That's right. He's a player that's got bags of pace, as you said. He's a good dribbler. And he showed all of that in the Premier League as well, to be fair. But it was just that end product was missing more often than not. But he scored eight goals in 16 appearances now for Parma. Uh, Vittorio, what have you made of Jovino's return to, to Serie A? Yeah, as Tommy was saying, uh, even at Roma, he played very well, but but he misses so many chances. It looks like now he's back, he's more calm. He He's taking all the chances he's having uh, with Parma. And uh, the surprise was, if you see the goals he scored against Juventus, it's not the typical Gervinho's goal. It's not speed uh, yeah. burning the, the defender. No, it was, you know, he was in the box and he takes his chances and he scored. And usually, even with Roma, where he was... He was really a threat, but he was missing too many wide chances. Instead, with Parma, maybe experience, I don't know, but he's taking all the chances he's having. And so uh, he's really dangerous now. And I think Parma with Gervinho, with all these players, it's it's a tough team to, to play against now. Yeah, absolutely. And Parma sit in 12th place, don't they, at the moment? They've just been promoted back to Serie A after all sorts of financial problems and, and things like that. Uh, Tommy, what have you made of their their season so far? Is it a season that they should be pleased with? Surely the goal was just to stay in the division this year, no? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Parma, I think, is one of the uh, the, the big biggest underdogs this year. They are doing well. And I think everyone really enjoys enjoys to see them playing. Um, well, yeah, as Vittorio was saying, they have they have a great squad. Um, Roberto Inglese, you know, the striker up front. Uh, I don't know. I think he had quite quite a lot of pressure because you know he came he came from Napoli, then it was alone on Kiev. Like it's that kind of player that people know know they have potential and they keep saying it, but then he hasn't really 
shown yet. I mean, he's very young, but he hasn't really shown. But he he's actually doing it this year. Uh, and yeah, he showed on the game with Juve. I mean, he didn't score, but he was incredible, uh, especially in the last bit, especially in the last goal when uh, he was was very quick uh, to to you know to get the ball back after <laughs> that little you know tricky pass from Mandzukic, uh, and yeah, just serve in the middle and see Gervinho. So I mean, and then Bjarni as well. I mean, he's not playing as well as Gervinho, but their front three is definitely one of the best in the league. I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's been a week to forget for Allegri's side, hasn't it? But in terms of the title race, Vittorio, it won't make all that much difference, will it? They've still got a healthy nine-point lead over Napoli in second. But what the Copper defeat means is that they cannot do the treble um, and, and match what Inter did back in 2010. Do you think Juventus will be bothered about that? Do you think it bothers them that Inter have achieved that and they, you know, despite their dominance in the last few years, that has eluded them? I think it does. Uh, these type of teams and players like Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, they want to win every single match to play. So for them, it's a huge disappointment going out surly in the in the Coppa Italia. Uh, they reached the final in the past years all the time. So it's a big disappointment for that. And we have to say that Atalanta probably is the best team now in Serie A. They're playing amazing football. If you forget Cagliari Atalanta, where they didn't play that well, but still they won, they, they are playing amazing football and it's unbelievable seeing the squad. But on the other side, uh, you can see there are some concern because Juventus, for me, made terrible mistake letting Benatia leaves like that and replacing him with, uh, with uh, Casares. So, I don't know if this will affect the Champions League chances of winning it. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, I'm a little bit surprised about the Juventus movement this winter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on now uh, to Inter nil, Bologna 1. Inter are in free fall in recent weeks. They've been held to a draw by their bogey team, Sassuolo. Suffered defeat at the hands of Torino. Crashed out of the copper on penalties courtesy of Lazio. And the latest disappointment came on Sunday when they lost at home to Bologna. Now, this was, incidentally, Sinisa Mihailovic's first game as Bologna coach following the recent sacking of Pippo Inzaghi. But... The Serb wasn't going to do his former club any favours. First of all, before we get into Inter, um, Tommy, is that the end of Pippo Inzaghi as a Serie A manager, in your opinion? <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure he will, he will have another chance in the future, but I think, I think at this point he needs to take maybe a little break and maybe start from a bit lower. Maybe a team in Serie B, like he, he was doing quite well last year with Venezia. Yeah. Um, he he proved that he's a he's a great player, but being a great player doesn't necessarily mean to be a great manager. And it's it's quite funny that his brother Simone Inzaghi uh, was nowhere near him in on the pitch, but now as a manager, yeah, he's actually exactly. doing very well. So yeah, I think I think it would be good for him to take a little time off and then yeah, start again with a new project in the summer, uh, maybe from lower lower division, and then bring him to Serie A and then stay with them, you know, a few years and prove. That he's actually a good manager and gain some experience as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when I was a kid, Inzaghi was one of my heroes. And it is horrible to see your heroes uh, fail at management. But I've had to watch Thierry Henry fail at management uh, in Monaco lately as well. So it's not been easy. It's not been easy. Vittorio, your thoughts on Pippo Inzaghi? Is there any way back for him? Because he seems like his record is a little tarnished now, isn't it? Yes, it is. And as Tommy was saying, you started from the other leagues, but he already did that. He he had quite a success with Venezia, even though the first season he struggled a little bit. I think he's overrated. And if you if you see uh, the career, the managing career of the brothers in Zaghi, he got promoted from the Primavera to the first squad like one year and a half earlier than Simone. And I mm-hmm. thought that that could have made a huge difference. Uh, if you if you remember the first. Uh, interviews to Simone Inzaghi had when he became Lazio manager. He said that those years as Primavera manager helped him a lot to become a better coach. And I think that's what's missing with uh, with Filippo Inzaghi. Same thing. I, I thought there were too much pressure on that Milan squad to give Inzaghi a chance earlier than than he deserved to. Yeah, and right. I don't know. I, I mean, it could be very late now for him to to improve, even because. He failed in so many different clubs. It's not that, you know, you say, well, that Milan was terrible. No one would, would have made it. No, he, he tried with Bologna, Venezia, and so on. Yeah. So will, will he have other chances? Yes, probably. The name is so big that he will find another squad, another uh, president that will give him a chance. Will he succeed? I'm not sure about that. I don't think. Yeah, I have to agree. I have to agree. Uh, Tommy, what's gone wrong at Inter of late then? Because... As I said when I introduced this section, you know, they're, they're in free fall at the moment. The press are having a field day. Um, you know, Spalletti's coming under fire. What, what's gone wrong at, at the San Siro? Well, I think, I think there's quite a lot, a lot of things that are wrong with Inter at the moment. Um, first of all, from the manager, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Spalletti. I never have. But, I mean, he is a good manager, but the way he plays with this 4-2-3-1, which is, uh, in my memory, is one of the first I've seen using this kind of formation with Roma back in the days. Um, but with this formation that he uses, I don't think he has the right men at the right time. Uh, for example, the kind of CAM role now is Nangolan, um, which is a player that I really like. I used, uh, I used to love him at Roma. I thought he was incredible. But since he came, he never had a good feeling with the fans. Um, he just didn't, you know, he didn't really, you know, even if you're a good player, it doesn't mean that you're going to play well. You need, you need to be good psychologically, and he hasn't been since he joined. And then in the wingers, you have someone like Perisic, which in my opinion is one of the best wingers in the league. But after the World Cup that he had, I mean, it, it was very hard to recover. And then, you know, Politano is a great, great, uh, great youngster, but I don't think he's enough really. Andreva, I think, is way too old now. And, and slow I don't think they really have the, the right man and uh, the man up front the, stri- uh, the captain Mauricardi I think is amazing but at the moment I think that all the media pressure that his wife is putting on him is not happening at all you know all these mess- messages on Instagram on Twitter uh, is it going is it not you know we're dealing with the contra we're not I don't think it's happening at all so the fans are not happy and I mean, they, a lot of them also want Spalletti out already. They want to leave the, the team to Cambiasso yeah, um, until obviously they can get Conte next year. I mean, that's everyone's dream at Inter, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess so. And obviously, you you mentioned Ivan Perisic there. There was a lot of talk about him handing in a transfer request. Vittorio, your thoughts on Inter? Because as as Tommy's already told us, you know, there's lots of problems there. What are your feelings on it? I think Spalletti is a good manager, but I got the impression that since the last year with Roma, he's not able to cope with the pressure anymore. He's living life really badly. He's not able to to cope with the pressure that a manager of a big team has. You can see in, in the last year uh, with Roma, where he's been working there for a long and with success, he wasn't able to keep uh, the players together. I thought he lost the players. And the impression is that he's doing the same here w- with Inter. And I think Inter, if you consider all the teams that are fighting for the Champions League spot, I think Inter is by far the best team. They have a lot of players, a lot of options. You can say that probably the only spot they're missing is they don't have a real replacement for Icardi. But they're probably the better team compared to Milan, Roma, Lazio, Atalanta, Sampdoria, and Fiorentina. But now they're struggling. And I think that Spalletti is having even problem with the, with the club. The, the, what he said about Perisic after, I think it was before Lazio's match in Coppa Italia, didn't make sense. Saying that the club shouldn't say that Perisic asked to leave the club because that's putting pressure on him and, and on the manager. Uh, don't say it. I mean, don't say uh, publicly that you are against what the, what the club is saying. You're just creating more more problems that that you don't need. So, so I think Inter is still favourite for the Champions League spot. But if the problems continue, if really Spalletti continue to have this fight with the players and with the club, then the situation can can get dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. And and Marotta's come in there, hasn't he? From from Juventus and he said today that he's never sacked a coach but that the Champions League is decisive for Luciano Spalletti so it's pretty clear that if Spalletti doesn't again qualify for the Champions League he'll be given his marching orders so I mean I guess we all agree that Spalletti is not the man to to guide Inter back to towards some sort of title challenge uh, to make them the team that take on Juventus and eventually topple them the thing is, for me, you know, and I, I know I keep going back to the Perisic point, and I, and there was a lot of coverage of that here in the UK because of the fact that he was linked with my club, Arsenal. But, you know, for me, it's a difficult situation to handle as a manager, isn't it? Because what do you do with a player like Perisic, with a problem like Perisic? He's a fantastic footballer, and Inter are not really in a position to be able to say, you know what, let's freeze him out and just get on with things, because realistically there's not much replacement is there there's not many other options i don't know what you guys think yeah absolutely i mean but this whole paris situation it was it was a bit weird in my opinion because it came out quite late in the transfer market so obviously in the i mean the link with arsenal uh came on in the last week uh so obviously there, there was there was no time to to do such a such a big transfer and now he's, he's at the club and he's probably going to play most of the games until the end of the season. But in my opinion, they already promised him that he's going to go in the summer, you know, after what happened in this transfer market. I don't think they're going to keep him. So, I mean, you can imagine motivation of a player that knows that he's going to leave in six months, you know, even if they qualify for the Champions League or they don't, it doesn't really make a difference. If he scores lots of goals, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference because the biggest club know his value and how good it is. Um, so I mean he's got no motivation that is not what Inter needs at the moment they need players that want to fight for the jersey they want to fight for the Champions League spot that 
is so important for the club. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of jerseys, interwar special jerseys, didn't they, with their names in Chinese <laughs> to celebrate the Chinese New Year? Vittorio, is that marketing genius on Inter's part? Not sure about that, to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I know, I know that Inter fans simply went nuts when they saw it and start making jokes. And uh, I can understand they want to. Uh, increase their presence on the Chinese market, but maybe you can do it in a different way. People were saying we're in Italy. I don't understand who's playing for my squad because I don't speak, I don't read Chinese. So you can see football is trying to catch up with the Premier League and be more a global sport. Yeah. But I don't think that's the right move to make. You can do it in different way. Start putting at twelve thirty key matches instead of Empoli Kievo all the times yeah. that that would be much better than putting Chinese names on the Inter shirt yeah absolutely I agree with you and I and I've spoken about this in the past and I, I think I touched on it in our launch uh, show where I spoke about the fact that the Premier League is not really a better league than Serie A in terms of quality all it is is that it's been marketed better the men you know, at the top have managed to sell their brand uh, all across the world. And as a result, the Premier League has the biggest income and the teams can spend the most money and so on and so forth. But I agree with you. I don't think that's the way to go. I, I get what they're trying to do. I get the, the idea behind it. But you don't want to piss off your own fans in the process, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that was a bit of a strange one for me. Let's move on. Uh, Napoli 3, Sampdoria 0. Napoli closed the gap on Juventus to nine points, having dispatched of Sampdoria pretty comfortably. Sampdoria had actually beaten Ancelotti's side 3-0 at Marassi earlier on in the season. So you could say that Napoli got their revenge. But I guess the big story from the San Paolo comes from the fact that Fabio Quagliarella's goal streak came to an abrupt end. He'd already matched Gabriel Battistuta's record of scoring in in 11 consecutive Serie A appearances but had he scored on Saturday he'd have set a new record now Tommy I know you're a Sampdoria fan tell us a little bit about yeah, Fabio yeah. Quagliarella because I don't think that he gets the recognition that he deserves uh, from from those who don't watch Serie A every week perhaps or, or the overseas fans 100% I couldn't have said better words to me Fabio Cavallarella is an absolute king he's one of the most underrated players and I think he's one of the best Italian strikers of our generation um, well, there was a lot of reasons why maybe he didn't uh, do as well in his career overall as he did you know I don't know if you heard about uh, the problem he had with the stalker in his Napoli days that haunted him for lots of years and um, he also had to leave Napoli to go to another club and the, the fans all of these things that happened you know, beyond football um, it was probably a big reason why in the end overall his career didn't do as well as could have but still he still had a great great career and to me again he's one of the best this, this record is just, is just great for him I mean and I think it's the biggest representation that if you really want something, if you really put passion on something, you know, age is just a number. I mean, obviously you can't play forever, but look at him, 36 years old, and he just set a record like Batistuta. I mean, Batistuta was in his primary career when he scored, when he did that record in 94, 95. Um, in the end of his career, no one would have expected. And I mean, beside that, last year as well, when he was 35, 
he set his uh, record on goal on a season, which is 19. So, I mean, it's not just a one season, you know, wonder thing. Um, it's, it's just incredible, honestly. I, I, me as a Sampdoria fan, I get more, I got emotional when he scored <laughs> that goal against Udinese. It was just a penalty, yeah, but uh, I've celebrated like a lot, much more than I, than I would have for, for just a penalty. Vittorio, what, what are your thoughts on Fabio Quagliarella? Do you echo um, the praise that, that Tommy's pe- uh, heaping on him at the moment? The thing that Tommy didn't mention is Quagliarella scores a lot of goals and all the goals they score is unbelievable. They are amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that that tap-in, you know, one meter from the box. No, he scores <laughs> unbelievable goals that you watch them three times and say, wow, this is incredible. And he scores so many goals like that that you simply can't, can't, can't believe it. He 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 was considered a big striker when he was younger. Uh, as Tommy was saying, he wasn't able to to fulfill all the expectation, but now he's uh, he's making it. Uh, he, he has been called even for the national squad from Mancini for the next stage. So I think that's a nice achievement. And, you know, sometimes football writes very nice story so I thought it would have been before this match I thought it would be amazing that Quagliarella would have break the record in his town Napoli so I, I was thinking even you know with, with Napoli 3-0 ahead maybe they would allow Quagliarella yeah. to score just to to beat his record instead they didn't I was a little bit surprised about that but it, it would have been amazing to see Quagliarella a Napoli fan score the record goal in his town yeah, unluckily it didn't work that way, but still Quagliarella is an unbelievable striker. Absolutely. By the way, guys, you know, you're both Italian speakers. I'm not. Um, what's my pronunciation of Quagliarella like? Is it is it good? How many out of 10 would you give me on that? I, th- I think it's a solid day, mate. I think <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's much better than a lot of people in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, I I agree. I mean, living in England, you know, the Italian surnames are quite difficult for them, and especially Quagliarella, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, Even for Italian guys. It's because it's because I can speak Greek. I think that is. I still don't do it oh, really? right, but it's better than you know if you don't speak another language. I think it depends how your tongue rolls and all that. But Vittorio, what have you made of of Napoli under Ancelotti? Um, Second place was probably the best they could have hoped for, right? And, you know, have you seen a massive difference in the style of play? Sarri's gone now. What's what's Ancelotti been like since he's gone there and what sort of style has he implemented? I I think Ancelotti did an, an amazing job because this Napoli is not the same team of last year. I thought it's not only Jorginho that left but a lot of the the players that last year was making the difference are getting older. Uh, Martins is not making the difference as before. So it was really a tough job. And I didn't expect Ancelotti to do that well uh, because he didn't have amazing players. They were even a little bit tired and um, concerned after Sarri leaving like that. And, and this shows you how Ancelotti is a smart guy. He changed Napoli. They're trying to play a little bit different from Sarri's system. And he was able to to recover Milik that with Sarri had a lot of problems. And now Napoli has a great striker. I think the Champions League race were never open. Juventus won the, the Scudetto at the beginning of, this, of the Serie A. But still Napoli reaching the second point, that was... Second position, sorry, that was a big surprise. And I think you have to give credit to Ancelotti because with with the team he has, he's doing an unbelievable job. 
Yeah, I mean, despite Napoli running Juventus quite close last season, I know the gap was quite big in the end, but they were in the title race for a long time. I was surprised at the beginning of the season because when people were talking about the title, everybody seemed to speak as though Inter were the biggest threat to Juventus's dominance. But like you said, you know, Ancelotti's gone there. He's done a fantastic job. And lo and behold, Napoli are in second again. So it looks like they're probably going to stay there as well. So he's done a fantastic job. Just before we move on from Napoli, um, is Marek Hamšík on his way to Dalian Yifang in China? Because he said something today, something along the lines of the fact that he's only still a Napoli player because there's nothing yet official, suggesting that a deal is, is imminent. The Slovakian has been in Naples since 2007, and he's made just short of 600 appearances for the club. Tommy, in your opinion, will he go down as a Napoli legend? Oh, absolutely. I think I think he already has. Um, I mean, if you just see that in Napoli, they, they made a massive street art uh, of his face with the Maori tattoos. Uh, and they only ever done that for Maradona. Uh, so, I mean, I think that says it all. I think that for the um, for the Napoli fans, Amsic is up there. He's up there like Maradona, one of the legends of the club. And I think it's fair because Napoli wasn't going through the best period when he joined. Uh, they just came up from the Serie B and they were starting to 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 build the cycle, you know, a, a new generation. Uh, and then, you know, there was there was you know you you did, no one knew how it was gonna go. Napoli could have been that kind of team that never make it. Uh, or not, but then in the end they did make it, and they had great players in, in these years. And it was always there, you know, when Cavani, Lavezzi, and uh, you know now Milik, Mertens, and Senior. Through the all, through this all, Amsic always been there, you know, with the key or midfield. And I mean, he used to play a bit different than now. He used to play play more forward. Uh, that's why he used to score a lot of goals, and now not so much anymore because he's kind of covered CDM position. But he's been always there. I mean, even the last game against Sampdoria. I think he was one of the best on the pitch. His first touch was unbelievable. Like the way they he managed the the midfield was great. He took off the pressure of Sampdoria. So definitely, it's definitely a legend for Napoli fans. And I mean, I could say fairly so. Vittorio, how highly do you rate Marek Hamšík, and how would you assess his time at Napoli if he is, of course, like we're led to believe, off and and saying goodbye to to Serie A. I agree with what Tommy was saying. I mean, he's going to be a legend for Napoli for what he did for this club. But let me tell, I'm a little bit surprised of this happening. Uh, transfer market window is closed in Italy. So Napoli is letting Hamsik go away. It's true that he wasn't playing that much this season. Uh, he's not the football player we were used to see a couple of years ago. But still, as Tommy was playing, he played well against Sampdoria. He's still very useful. He's still the captain, the leader of this team. And letting go now, with the transfer window closed, Ancelotti already said, we won't get a replacement. But, well, it's obvious. You can get only a free agent now. And if someone is without a contract now, then there's something wrong there. And so, already Napoli is not as strong as last year. Juventus is far away. If I, would, if I was uh, De Laurentiis, I would say, look, wait the end of the season and then I'll let you go with no problem. Or you have to tell me in January where I could find a replacement. I don't, I don't like this move. I don't think it's smart enough. And on the same thing, if you're homesick, you said no to Juventus and to Real Madrid a couple of years ago when you were a top player and could make a difference. Why live now that you're 32 and you know that you're going just on China to get more money, not to win trophy, etc.? 
couldn't you stay here in Napoli? Yeah, you're not playing all the matches. You're often on the bench, but you're still the idol of all those fans. You're still the captain, the leader. A bit like Francesco Totti was, isn't it? You know, Francesco Totti didn't play all the games at the end, but he was still a Roma icon. So Hamsik could have had that same status, couldn't he, if he had stayed? Absolutely. And why, you know, now you have to move all your family to China. Why do it now? I mean, how long are you going to play? Other two years? Can't you stay with Napoli? I don't think Napoli will not renew your contract. So, honestly, I don't understand this move. Okay, interesting, interesting stuff. Now, let's move on to Roma-Milan, ended 1-1. Piontek opened the scoring on 26 minutes and Zaniolo leveled things after 46 minutes. Um, Gianluigi Donnarumma's heroics in Rome and Gattuso's side a point in the Eternal City. Um, Piontek, you know, signed from Genoa for a fee believed to be in the region of, I think, about 35 million euros just a couple of weeks ago now, but he scored 14 goals in his 21 Serie A appearances this season. Tommy, is that money well spent? How good a player is this guy? I think I think it's a very, very good deal that Milan did. Um, because I was not I was a bit unsure about Piontek in the beginning of the season as well, because he did score a lot of goals, but a lot of them maybe happened, you know, with smaller teams, so maybe with easier goal. That's, that's what people were saying in the beginning, and I, I, I admitted that I was one of them. But then as the season went, he was keep scoring. I mean, some people say, you know, this goal was easy to score. But yeah, he was there. You know, he did maybe the movement before to to run away from the defender and be in that position. You know, so it's not it's not just just there. So I think he's a great he's a great striker. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's that kind of striker that reminds me of be a bit of Inzaghi, right? So that that kind of striker that he's great at the movement to lose the defenders and just be there with a the header or with a tap in or whatever. And, and just score goals, uh, which is what Milan needs now. And I think it did a great deal to get it now in January, uh, because if he stayed for in general the whole season and maybe end up the season with 20 plus goals, you know, in the whole summer, a lot of other teams would have put their eyes on him and maybe they would have made uh, higher, you know, higher bids. So I think 35 mils with nowadays prices is, is a very, very, very good deal for, for Milan. And I mean, he showed in his first few games that. He's, that he is what Milan needs at the moment. Vittorio, is he an upgrade on Gonzalo Higuain? I think we have to still remember that Higuain is probably a better player, and we saw it this weekend with Chelsea. The problem is, did Higuain wanted to play for AC Milan? Did Higuain wanted to shine in that team? No. And in this type of football, the mental aspect is fundamental. And you can see that Iguain didn't want to stay there and the first chance left. While Piantec came to Milan to prove that he's a player that can play with big clubs like AC Milan and he's doing it. Now, I don't know if 35 mil is right. He, now he's working, but he still have to do a full season with a big club and prove it. Um, he's attacking the space really well. I think... Uh, against Roma, the Fazio made a terrible mistake. But Piontek was there ready to take it. And that's what striker has to do. So we have to see in the long run if he's that type of striker. But I think, even though Higuain, I believe, is a better player, I think Piontek is, is the right move for Milan because he wants to play. He wants to prove to be a good striker. 
Absolutely. And and while he's becoming a, a fan favourite amongst the Rossoneri supporters, it was in fact Donnarumma, though, who probably had a bigger hand in this result. He pulled off some sensational saves at the weekend, didn't he, Tommy? Yeah, incredible, incredible. Um, yeah, Donnarumma is that, is, is that kind of keeper that you might not hear about him in the news for a few weeks and then he would just come out with a with a crazy performance. I mean, you know, everyone agrees that his talent is incredible. It, you know, there's, there was a lot of talk about him in the media, you know, when they had to renew his contract and uh, the things with his agent. But I think it's proving that, you know, he, he actually is as good as people think he is. And I mean, if he keeps going along this line, he will definitely become uh, one of the best keepers in the world. I mean, obviously, it's still, still quite early, you know. But yeah, the game was almost incredible. Uh, I remember now that especially the save, the double save it did with the header of Patrick Schick and then uh, Dzeko with the tap-in, uh, but many more. And it, it was very unfortunate on the goal that they conceded because uh, it was, I believe it was Musacchio that basically attempted to do an on goal and he saved that as well. And then the ball just went on Zaniolo. So there was literally nothing could do about it. But yeah, great performance. And I mean, that's, that's exactly what Milan needs now. I mean, a great keeper that will save the day. Yeah, absolutely. Vittorio, is Donnarumma, sorry, is there a feeling in Italy that this kid, I should say, is good enough to be Italy's number one for years to come? Is there that excitement around him? Because I know when he first broke into the team here in the UK, there was lots of talk about this young kid coming in at AC Milan and how good he was. For me, he stagnated a little bit, but you know he showed at the weekend that he has got that in his locker, that he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Do you believe that he can go on to, to great things? He can if he keeps improving. I think the biggest aspect of Donnarumma is that his sights are unbelievable for that age. So he's really good one against one. He's good to cover the goal. But but if you take away the, the body, he has to improve technically. Uh, you saw that he struggles when when striker strikes from long distance because his um, position of his uh, feet is not perfect. He has to work on those things. Sometimes he struggles to block the ball. Again, he's hands are not perfect. He has to work on that. Let's not forget that he's really, really young. So he, he has to improve and he has a lot of time to do it. So if he do, does that, then he's going to be probably one of the best goalkeeper ever. But he has to keep doing it and doesn't have to believe that if he's starting with AC Milan, he's already a great goalkeeper. Everybody can improve. And Buffon is an example. He keeps improving, even if he's not young. He still works on, on his skills. So that must be his an example. And I do believe that if he works he can, on his weaknesses, he can become a very good goalkeeper. Great stuff, great stuff. Roma have done well, haven't they, to battle their way back into the Champions League race because they didn't start the season too well. Um, and in terms of the battle for fourth place, this was a huge game, wasn't it? There's now only four points between fourth and ninth. I'm not saying that I think Torino are in the race and you could probably argue that a fourth plate finish, uh, fourth place sorry, finish would even be a little bit beyond Sampdoria too. But that just illustrates what an exciting race we have on our hands. How do you guys see it unfolding? Starting with you, Tommy, who do you think is going to make the Champions League? And, you know, it, well, yeah, basically, who do you think is going to do it? 
Oh yeah, as you said, it's it's a great great battle, and I mean that is great because uh, the the thing that people say about the the Serie A is that there's not much battle who for who's going to win it. You know, Juventus won it for the past seven years, but at the other hand, we have a great battle from the third position because, as you said, from the fourth to the tenth, there's only a few a few points. Um, yeah, me as a Sampdoria fan, which is uh, Ryan Monge, I'm very hopeful that we will get to the to the Europa League. But as you said, I, I don't see us uh, getting to the fourth place, just like Atalanta. In my opinion, Inter will stay uh, third, and the fourth place was going to be it's going to be a, a great, interesting battle between Milan, Roma, and Lazio. Really, uh, even though Atalanta is doing so well, I don't see them keep going as well. But they probably they'll probably be up there and definitely qualify for the Europa League. Uh, who do I see game fourth between Milan, Roma, and Lazio? I think Lazio has the better squad among all of these. I think uh, Immobile is the best striker among all these three. Uh, you know, yeah, with Luis Alberto, it had a bit of problems, but if he keeps going, and Milinko Savic as well, he has some problems in season. It wasn't the same player that we saw last year, but if they can find you know, the right track in, in these last few months, they can definitely... They can definitely um, aim to the fourth place uh, but yeah I, th- I think Milan will, will keep the fourth place in the end and Lazio fifth Roma sixth seventh Atalanta and us unfortunately eighth but I mean it's still early I mean it's still fantasy football you know of course there's plenty of football to be played Vittorio your thoughts on the, the race for the Champions League I think this year it's even more interesting than in the past because I think Torino is out but I wouldn't count out Fiorentina Sampdoria uh, these two teams Sign good players this winter. Muriel changed Fiorentina. Uh, Gabbiadini went to Sampdoria, and I thought that's a great signing for them. So I think the, they could be able to fight till the end of the season. Now we are just in February, so the season is still very, very long, and a lot of things can happen. But I think it's really interesting because, as as I was saying before, uh, Inter is not playing great. Milan and Roma struggling a little bit. Same thing for Lazio. Atalanta is playing amazing football, but will it be able to carry on till June, May, end of the season? We don't know. Sampdoria with Quagliarella can do everything. And Fiorentina has those two young strikers, uh, Chiesa uh, and Simeone with Muriel behind. You know, they're very dangerous. So, uh, everything can happen. Uh, it, it's really very open. Uh, Lazio is the only team in Italy on three competition so that they can play that thing. Uh, Roma can play bad all season long. Milan, if they find out the the right solution, who knows? I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be decided in the last weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to go right down to the wire, uh, this one. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that and I'm sure we'll discuss it in in future shows. Um, In other news, talking about Roma they've been given the green light to go ahead and build a new stadium now Tommy is it about time that the Serie A clubs had safer stadiums and and do you expect more of the big clubs to follow suit in the coming years um hopefully yeah definitely I think it's a great 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 thing for teams for clubs to own their own stadium uh because we know and we see in the Premier League that uh, it can be a great business for them and I mean in the end of the day football teams are companies and uh, especially now with the prices of the you know transfer market going up and up, teams need to make money and and, and having a stadium is a great way to do it and it's a it's a great way to engage fans as well. Uh, if you see, I mean, you're an Arsenal fan, so you know the Emirates. The Emirates it's a great stadium, right? And if you go, 
uh, you know, it's just a great atmosphere and you, you, you feel, you feel like you belong to, you know, to something related to your club. So I really hope that a lot of other uh, clubs will do it. Unfortunately, um, I mean, as I always say, uh, Italy, I think Italy is a bit, is about 10 years behind, uh, United Kingdom and a lot of other countries. So it always takes more time for Italy to, to arrive. But yeah, um, for Roma, they've been talking about it for years and years and, uh, now they finally got the green light. It's, it's a great step ahead. And uh, yeah, I hope, I definitely hope that a lot of other teams will follow for my team as well. Sandoria, they've been, they've been talking about it. We haven't got the green light yet, but the project is there to make an arena by the sea, which is a great area where I'm sure people will absolutely love it. So yeah, we'll see. Vittorio as a Lazio man, will you be glad to see the back of Roma? <laughs> well, first thing, they, they received the green light like three times in the last four years. So yeah. I'm still not sure they're going to be able to make it. Second point is Udinese have the property stadium. And do you see where Udinese is? The stadium, your stadium doesn't make the difference, especially if it's going to be built outside the Roma. Fans are going to struggle to go there every time, especially when there's not football. So... Don't think that the stadium will change everything. Uh, Czech, Atalanta, uh, Czech, sorry, uh, Udinese, even Atalanta has his own stadium. Sassuolo has his own stadium. They're not fighting for the Champions League. So what does it tell you? That it's not only that that makes the difference. Um, we can talk about watching better the match, and that's absolutely true. Uh, in Italy, the stadiums are old and creepy you won't bring your family there to watch a match because it's terrible so on that side i'm totally on for for new stadium but don't think because new stadium bring cost and it's all, not only uh, the match the day match cost cost will increase and will be for all the weeks so you have to have a, a stadium that works every day and so uh, the arsenal stadium works because he's in the center of london if you do the stadium at tivoli it's not going to be the same so we have to see what goes on. But obviously, it's a step forward, and we hope that all the clubs build their own stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And from my point of view, as someone you know who watches, who has watched Serie A all his life pretty much from overseas, one of the things that people always say to me when they talk about it is they always point out the fact that there's empty stadiums. Now, when you look at, for example, the Olimpico, it's a huge stadium, isn't it? You're not going to fill that up every week for your... You know, your your standard game maybe against Sassuolo. I doubt very much that Lazio or Roma would fill that up for a game like that. And so it looks empty, doesn't it? Maybe it's better if these clubs kind of do what Juventus done in the sense that, you know, the stadium is not the biggest when you compare it to some of the others around Europe, but it looks full and it does its job. And, you know, that they it's built for the amount of supporters that they're expecting as opposed to having these huge grounds that look empty week in, week out. So from my point of view, I think that will make the league a little bit more marketable as well if the stadiums look fuller, newer. Um, and, and it's all to do with branding, isn't it? It's part of the club's brand at the end of the day. And I think that's where Serie A maybe has fallen a little bit behind uh, the Premier League, certainly. Not because the football's not good. It's, it's purely down to marketing. So fingers crossed that a, a lot more clubs can do that and, and you know, get things rolling, and and you'll see a bit of a revamp of the Italian game, I suppose. Yeah, I think let's not forget that the Stadio Olimpico, the Roma Stadium, uh, has been built, has been improved 
for Italy 90. And I think the attendance could be 85,000. And as far as I recall, it never happened in the last years or so that it has been all sold out. Uh, Lazio has an average of 35,000, Roma 40. So you see, it's half empty. Um, so I totally agree that it should be like Juventus, that it's a smaller stadium, but it's always packed. Um, and that, otherwise, you have to do with Udinese that has the seats that are of different colors. So on TV, <laughs> it looks like it's full, but it's always empty. Because I think no that's one... a bit ridiculous, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> that looks no awful. One... <laughs> no, no one goes to watch Udinese, so they have the, the seats yellow, orange, red, and people if you look on the TV, you feel, wow, it's full. No, it's empty. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, if they wanted to make it look like it was full, I mean, I haven't seen an orange person before or a yellow person. You? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's all a bit silly, isn't it? Um, guys, we're coming towards the end of the show now. So I'm going to go to some of our listener questions that have been coming through on Twitter uh, throughout the day. I know we kind of answered this one already, but Alan Boyd has, has sent this question in. I'm going to put this to you, Tommy, because you are a Samp fan. He says, with the form in which King Qualiarella is in, what do you make of Sampdoria's chances of finishing in the top six come the end of the season? So out of 10, how do you rate Samp's chances of, of qualifying for the Europa League? Honestly, for as much as I would love to, I'm, I don't have many hopes or Sampdoria ending in the, in the top six for for this for the simple reason because Gianpaolo historically with his teams, uh, so both Sampdoria but even Empoli and Cagliari before, he always struggled in the end of the season. He always starts very well and he struggles at the end of the season. I don't know what it is. It might be something uh, to do with the way they prepare the the, the, the footballer like physically or mentally, but. They, like last year, for example, we were six for basically the whole season. In the last two months, we, we lost 80% of the games and we ended up 10th. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really hopeful that this is not going to be the case this year, but I think it will. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the next question comes in from Ahmed. I'm going to put this one to you, Vittorio. Uh, he watched Roma Milan the other night. He, he, he admits that he doesn't watch much Serie A football. He hasn't watched a great deal for a long time. But he thinks that Milan needs to improve. I think we can all agree on that. And he asks him, what areas do you guys think that the Milan squad needs to improve? So, you know, if we're talking about positionally, looking at Milan, what, what areas cre- uh, scream out to you and, and do you think that they need to improve on sooner rather than later? Well, I think with Piatek, they, they fix the attack in a certain way. I think the midfield is quite weak. They don't have talented player, or at least players that are playing as expected there. Uh, they bought Biglia that hoped that could fix that problem. It didn't work out. Now he's injured. He's coming back. I think the quality of the players in midfield is not that great. It's not the normal Milan type of quality. Uh, so that's where he's struggling. I'm not sure... It's only fault of the player. I never saw Gattuso play uh, a smart football uh, similar to Sarri. He's more uh, defensive mind coach and then uh, trying counter-attack. So I don't know if it's related to Gattuso's mindset, but I think that Milan should improve midfield and have more quality players there. Absolutely. Completely agree. Right, that brings us to the end of this edition. Um, we're running out of time. It's been fantastic, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, starting with you, Tommy, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media and a little bit about what you're doing now so they can keep up with your antics? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, on you can find me on Instagram at, at Tommy Mila. So T Tommy and then M I L A Tommy Mila, or on Twitter or uh, my username that is Tommy Ninety Min. Uh, yeah, for my for all my work, just uh, you can follow Ninety Min on all the social medias. Uh, we create content daily, uh, video content, written content about football, international in general, so Premier League, but also Serie A, La Liga, and Bundesliga. Brilliant, Vittorio. Do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you and what work you're uh, doing at the moment and how they can keep up with that? No, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, joking. Well, <laughs> if, you, if you have nothing else to do, then you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Vittorio Campa or otherwise, if you want to know everything about Lazio, there is my podcast, uh, Lazio Lounge. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spreaker and follow all the latest about Lazio. Brilliant stuff. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Simply Serie A. You can follow me at Harry Simiu. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes if that's where you're listening from. We also have a YouTube channel which you can subscribe to. And this show is available on SoundCloud and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another review show. Until then, take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.